podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to our first Wisden Ashes daily podcast from Manchester. England won the toss, chose to bowl and ended the day with eight Australian wickets. Chris Wokes nabbing half of them. I'm Yaz Rana and with me this sunny evening in Manchester is Ben Gardner. Ben, who's winning? Uh, I would say that England are would be slightly the happier of the two sides. I guess normally when you insert a team, you're looking to you know run through them. That's the conventional wisdom of test cricket. But this is quite an odd game and quite an odd decision because of the threat of rain and because England so desperately need to win it. So actually, it's not a decision they made with the conditions in mind. It was just that this is the way they can force proceedings onwards. So actually, getting Australia out for around 300, a bit more, they'll be pretty happy with that. They'll back themselves to get themselves up to a score that's competitive and then get themselves in position in the fourth innings to win the game. And, and conditions weren't that hard for batting throughout. The one thing that would maybe be a concern in another situation was that there was a little bit of turn on offer, but Australia don't have a spinner. So England really made the most of the conditions. They found wickets where they kind of almost didn't, uh, that, that were not, not credit out of nothing, but credit out of good bowling, good pressure, good use of the conditions. Uh, and Australia just didn't really kill them off, even though they built a few decent-sized partnerships. And, and in terms of conditions, this pitch is not as fast as the one we saw at Headingley, where mm. sort of every edge carried. Mm. This one, there have been quite a few already on day one, falling well short of the cordon. Um, let's start with the positives with England. Chris Wokes was excellent. He's taken 10 wickets in three innings. Nine of them have been top seven batters. And the 10th was Alex Carey, who was batting at eight. He's had such an impact on this series. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's been excellent as he so often has been in England. I mean, that's just, it's kind of just what Chris Wokes does, isn't it? And it's... But he was almost an accidental inclusion in the 11 at Headingley, only included after loads of guys went down with injury. Yet he has done what he has not quite always done in England, but what his record suggests he just is in England. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think also before this series, we kind of thought it was almost a joke that he hadn't played, like not not a joke that in terms of how could they not have picked him, it'd become a bit of a running joke, right? Like he was going to look like he was going to play against Arlen, they put him up for the presser and then he doesn't get picked. And you're like, okay, this guy might have played his last test match and yet he's still just kind of sort of hanging around. And then he comes in and you get that reminder of just how excellent he is mm. in these conditions. And, and you've written a piece for the site uh, that explains it. it's not just that he's, he's good in helpful conditions. It's that conditions look more helpful when he's bowling basically yeah. yeah I mean so seven of his 10 wickets this series have been when the ball has been between 49 and 63 overs old so he's getting good players out with the old ball and I think we underappreciate Wokes's skills as a bowler because his super skill is the most English skill which is getting the Duke's ball to talk he just does that better than pretty much anyone else. So he gets green with a wobble seam delivery that nibbles in. And a few deliveries later, he gets Marsh with a conventional away, away swinger that just holds its line to get the edge. Very good catch by Johnny Bairstow. Um And I think he gets written off as someone who relies on helpful conditions. But as you say, he's the one who actually creates conditions that are more helpful for him than anyone else. He's the one who gets the ball to talk when others don't quite get to do it. You know, overseas is obviously the big 
question it's not even a question mark i mean he he joked the other day when asked whether or not he will go on the tour to india next year he just said my away record speaks for itself and he does struggle with a kookaburra ball or a ball that's not the duke's ball that doesn't move as much but with a duke's ball that does tend to move throughout the 80 overs he gets it to move more than other bowlers do and you kind of saw he's almost like a walking embodiment of english home conditions you're never really in as a batter if you've got a bowler who's who's getting the ball to move and you know it's, it's taken an injury crisis for England to end up with a bloke who averages 35 with a bat and 21 with a ball in home conditions in the 11 um, but they have ended up with a guy who's utterly fantastic in English conditions in their side and he's he's having the kind of impact you'd expect him to have yeah it's, it's been actually the, the bounce he gets as well mm. like as much as sideways movement like that doesn't mean much if a pitch is a bit slower and the edges are going short of the cordon like uh, you saw, I mean, with the bit with the carry wicket today, there was just a bit of bounce there. So he, he kind of almost went to leave it and then didn't, but it just got a bit big on him basically. And those were the two wickets he got on that absolutely pivotal spell on day three when England had that sort of that hour of cloud cover. And it was actually, it was the bounce as much as it was the sideways movement that got Carey and Marsh. And that was kind of what broke the game open for England there. And it's, I think that's just, that's, it's, it's the kind of the same sort of thing. Like if you're putting a lot of action on the ball, if you're putting backspin on it, that will sometimes make the ball just kick up like mm. that. And it's not like he's, you know, bowling Mark Wood-esque bounces, but that bounce he gets is an, an impact as well, I think. Mm. Um, Paul Oss, is this the last time we'll see Jimmy in Test cricket? Ans has now got three wickets in five innings so far this series. He hasn't been part of a side that's won an Ashes Test since 2015. I'm, I'm not sure if that stat really means anything in particular. How do you think he, he bowled today? I actually thought he was fine with the new ball. And actually, despite Broad getting the two wickets, getting his 599th and 600th, test wickets it was actually Anderson who ended up wicketless who looked more threatening with the new ball in particular yeah I guess he, he quite often looks he never looks bad in a way right you can't pick out a spell and say that is a bad James Anderson spell really like he will very rarely go for runs and that's why it's going to take a lot I think for and to drop him because there won't be anything so noticeable it will be more like a a, a 10% drop exactly yeah um but equally uh, so, yeah, he, he was a bit unlucky today, but it was also pretty clear that he really wasn't the main man by any stretch. Like England gave him the second new ball. That almost felt like quite a generous decision from Stokes to go with that rather than with Broad. And Broad is the one now who really is the the attack leader and kind of like the ring leader. And, you know, he's the one who's like the centre of everything. He goes over and sorts the crowd out. I know I know that Anson has always shied away from certain aspects of, of that limelight, but Broad is the one who has kind of, he's dominated the series in almost like an Anderson type. Mm way i guess yeah i do i do think this was broad's worst day with the ball in the series he, he offered a lot of four balls mm -hmm. he was quite speculative with the ball rather than trying to build pressure uh and he picked up the two wickets but yeah i i don't think he bowled i don't think he bowled that well i mean my, my worry with anderson isn't isn't really how he bowled with the new ball it's that he's visibly so stiff late in the day like if you just watch him in the field he, he he's he's not far off being a liability in the field in, in a way that he never was. He was he was a brilliant fielder in his pomp. And you can just about hide him in a five man attack. He doesn't need to bowl that many overs. But with how much he was struggling late in the day, that he's not quite got the zip we associate with him, especially with that tight turnaround between the fourth and fifth tests. I, I would actually, I wouldn't be shocked if, if, if this is his last test match. Yeah, I, but then equally, I wouldn't be that shocked if he's still there in India. And, and actually, it, in a way there, if you have a bowler you can guarantee is going to go for two and over, that can at times be almost better than it is in England. That's when you can really want to dry the runs when 
lots of quicks are going to struggle with penetration. So if you've got to pick one, you may as well pick the guy who, if the new ball is doing something, will do something with it. And if it's not, he won't go for anything. Like we've seen him do like to that ridiculous 6-4 in Sri Lanka a couple of years ago where he just was going at a run and over mm. and just took wickets because he bowled for, for ages and bowled skillfully. Mm. So yeah, it's not a question of his last test, not the question he's... He's somehow still here against West Indies and Sri Lanka next summer, I think. Mm. Um, on Australia, this innings had a very similar feel to a lot of the innings you've seen this series. An early wicket. England battled quite hard to get the next few. There's a counter-attack that threatens to take the game away from England. But England reined Australia back in before it gets too scary. As well as Wokes bowled and, and I thought Wood bowled really sharply again today and really encouraging for England. I thought it was so good to see that his second spell was actually quicker than his first spell. Are Australia doing anything wrong? Because familiarity of, of downfalls for batters is is more damning than someone who, uh, or, or a team that, that gets out in, in, in different ways. Yeah, I guess so. And and you look at some of the players and it's, they've not been the ruthless players that we've come to associate with them. Like, you know, Labashain at one point averaging, you know, north of 60 in Test cricket. Same with Steve Smith. Those players have at times got stars and not, like even Labashain today, okay, he gets his first half century of the tour. But you want your number three in, in pretty in conditions that aren't too tough for batting when he's got 50. You want him to be taking the game away and he's not doing that. But I think it's also kind of just maybe where this Australia batting lineup is right now. You can sort of convince yourself it's it's better than it is in a way. Like when you go through, if you take out Kawaja and Head, who have both had just very mm. good series. But even Head, he's, he's had lots of innings like today, right, where he's, he's been really good. He's withstood the the short ball barrage somehow. He keeps on getting hit, but he, he gets through it. And then he threatens to take the game away from England, but he, he keeps on falling just before he gets to the point where he got in the World Test Championship final, where, he, you know, if he, if he bats for another hour today, the game looks completely different. He hasn't quite got through that. No, that's true. But I think that's a bit priced into how Head plays, I that's guess. True. That's like, definitely- Especially with how he got out today. So, so, I mean, I think Australia would take him averaging... 45 and playing in that fashion as he did today but if you but if you go past those two you've got warner who's never really done it in england you've got labashane who we're maybe coming to readjust our expectations of as a test batter you've got steve smith who is i know made that very good hundred early in the series but he is slightly a fading force he's not that kind of automaton that we've associated with him and then, and then you've got the he doesn't or- miss that straight ball in 2019 right no you know, you no. know in, in 2019 england when they didn't know what to do against steve smith the plan was just bowl it straight and hope he misses one and he missed one today. He didn't miss them in 2019, mm. other than when he was concussed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and then and then when you get further down, Marsh has, has been good, uh, but Carey and Green have both also. They're not yet that consistent. They've both been weirdly just getting almost exactly the same start each time. And they're getting out. Carey's got four scores now between 20 and 22, which is uh, which is an oddity, but also kind of says something about the fact that you know he, that's the kind of player he is right now, I mm. guess. So. Cool. That's it for day one. The test in the balance, sort of how it's always been this series. We'll be back with Mel Farrell the same time tomorrow. Sports Social Podcast Network.